It is good to be with you. Thank, thank you so much for Tim for doing an amazing job last week. And uh, uh, the only thing that really was a problem was all the meetings that I missed. So the, all of you that were supposed to meet with me last week, uh, sorry. Uh, can't wait to be with our class tonight. So if you're part of the class, we'll see you tonight. Uh, but um, it is definitely good to be with you. Hey, I um, want to say to you that as we kind of just jump into uh, this message, uh, we are excited to continually going through the book of Philippians. I hope that you will honestly just uh, be a part of really just seeing what God wants to do with this. If you don't know, the uh, Version app, uh, all of the verses that are there are in there for that. All you have to do is download the app, go underneath events, look for Cedars Church, we're there, and then click on that. All the verses are there and you'll be ready to go. All right? Um, so uh, I am excited again that we get to spend time in this passage. Um, uh, three weeks ago, I told you all about wait for verse two. You remember I said wait for chapter two? Remember, wait, wait, wait. We're here, folks. Yay, you made it. Okay, and I'll back you up and explain. So all of you that felt like that I was just leading you along, I was. So here we go. All right. So in chapter one, I want to go back and tell you, I read this verse and I said, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, because of your partnership, and I said, wait for chapter, you guys remember I said, wait for chapter two. You guys remember that? All right. Okay. Then I read to you verse seven. I said, it is right for me to feel this way about all of you because I hold you in my heart for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and the defense and confirmation of the gospel. And I said, all the partakers with me, I said, wait for chapter two. You guys remember that? Okay. I love that you were here. All right. So what happens is, is that today I'm going to show you what was happening here. See, the thing about this letter is this letter is just not Paul responding to the fact that they were struggling with unity. This is Paul responding back to a heart of a church. There is an overarching reality of the church in Philippi that he is responding to. And he mentions it twice in chapter 1. But I wanted you to hear it in its context in chapter 2. Because what's happening here is that there is something that happened in Philippi that I can tell you was not happening in every church. And by the way, a church in a Roman colony, which means, again, remember, it wasn't a Jewish center. There wasn't a, uh, there, there would not have been, for example, um, a place of worship in the city of Philippi. It is a church that, for whatever reason, heard what Paul had to say, believed it, and started acting on it. Did it have issues? Yes, by the way, every single church has issues. Every one of them. And we've had ours. And we use those to go to God and say, God, how do you grow us and how do you move us? Where we make mistakes is we don't recognize them and we don't change. That's where churches fall. So Paul's going to point out issues as he will. Again, about their fact of disunity. And again, the, the thing he wants them to do is not go, oh, we're a broken church. We're broken. There's nothing we do. No, find the issue, fix the issue, move beyond that issue and go to where God has you to go. And so we tried here at Cedars. How do we communicate better? How do we tell you the things that are going on better? How do we do these things better? And we've been working on that. So Tim ended with this passage last week. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. 
Again, remember, this whole theme is about what? Joy. You should be glad and rejoice with me. That's where he ended last week. And so in that, he's trying to say, hey, look, I want you to understand, you should rejoice with me. But in that concept of joy is, again, remember, joy is not situational. Joy rides over all of that. I have a joy. I can have a joy even, again, if I have a sickness or I'm going through a struggle. I can still have joy. He's saying, look, rejoice with me. Verse 19. Now, here's what's going to happen. We're going to hear the story of two different guys. One is Timothy. And one's Epaphroditus, and we'll get to both of their stories. But I want to remind you again of the situation in which we find ourselves. So, here is what we have. In verse 19, it says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. So this is the concept. Timothy is with me. I'm in prison. I want to send Timothy to you, because Timothy is going to come back to me. Does that make sense? I want to send Timothy to you because Timothy's going to come back to me. And when he comes back to me, I'm going to hear a report from Timothy. Does that make sense? Now, Epaphroditus, we're going to find out. He's going to send Epaphroditus, but he's not coming back. Does that make sense? He's, he's, that's a one-way trip. Timothy's a round trip. Okay? So he goes, look, I want to send Timothy to you, right? For I have no one like him who, genuinely, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. So again, remember, most letters are a situation was brought to Paul's attention. He writes in response to that, right? He writes in response to that with, hey, this is how you fix this situation. And so he wants Timothy to go to them because he wants them to deal with this issue. And he knows that Timothy, by the way, will genuinely be concerned for their welfare. He's not just going to show up, hey, what's going on? What's happening? He's going to go there and really get to the root of the issue, work with people, love them, walk with them. Because again, his heart is he wants this to be fixed in the church at Philippi. That's what his heart is. I have no one like him. He will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. So if I send them to you, you know he's going to come in and he is going to take care of the situation. Now, here's what's interesting. This next verse, uh, not as fun for all of us. For they seek all their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. So what's happening here is that there are some he could have sent, but the fact is, is they didn't want to go. I have no interest in Philippi. I have no interest in what's going on there. See, that's a lot of whatever things are. We care about what we care about. The call to go to Philippi would have been bigger than that person's interest. It would have been bigger. And Timothy was someone who has stepped in and said, look, I'm not from Philippi. I have nothing there. I have no, basically, no, no, no skin in that game. But I genuinely care for these people. Therefore, he would have went. And his heart would have been in the right place. And so therefore, that's what he's saying. It's like, I'm going to send Timothy to you because I know how he will treat you in this situation. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How he is a son, how as a son with a father, he has served me in the gospel. So when Timothy comes, know, know that when he comes, he's coming as my ambassador. You can trust him. 
You can trust him. Because this issue that I'm going to send him to to deal with is important. It's not easy. By the way, most church issues are not easy. And there's going to be someone who's going to need to come in, for lack of a better word, clean a little house, deal very roughly with people, and Timothy will do a good job that way. If he just sent anybody, the chances are that would not have been accomplished. But that's the heart. And that's where Timothy's role is. Verse 23, I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. So, sidebar. Paul is under house arrest. So let me explain a couple things to you about house arrest. If Paul would have just been put into a prison, they would have probably given him some meals and a place to sleep. Does that make sense? Uh, That's the way prisons usually work. You can't go out and do anything else, so they make sure at least you get a piece of bread or whatever they case you get. Paul is under house arrest. The Romans have no need, by the way, to take care of any of his needs. Period. They just don't. They send a Roman guard to be, be, be chained to him. He's in chains with him. But the Roman guard is just to make sure that he's covered. That Roman guard is not his person to go run errands for him. That Roman guard is not the person that's going to make sure. And by the way, no one is going to pay for the room that he's in. So Paul has a place, but it's got to be paid for. And by the way, he's got to be taken care of. At this point, it is believed Timothy is taking care of the daily needs of Paul. Does that make sense? Paul can't leave. He's chained to a Roman citizen. It's not like, hey, Roman, let's go down to the market. That's not happening. So Timothy's job is to line up all the people that are going to make sure that Paul gets fed, that anybody that comes is going to get dealt with, right? That's the reality of what's happening with Paul. And Timothy has been the number one person to make sure those things have happened. Now we're going to get to how does he pay for that in just a minute. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. So Paul's saying, look, once I understand how this thing's all going to go, I'll release Timothy. Timothy will come to you. Timothy's going to be the one that comes in, brings my heart to you. But there's a problem. He doesn't know how long it's going to take for the situation for Paul to be taken care of. But he wants this letter that he is writing, literally, as he's writing this letter, or I mean, think, think about him pinning this letter, He needs this letter to go back. He has a person in mind to take the letter back with him. We're just about to get there. Okay? And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Remember, I told you from chapter 1, he believes, I confidently believes, that he's going to be released to go back and visit them in Philippi. Okay? So he believes, hey, look, I'm going to send Timothy to you. I believe that then I'll be released. I'll get to come to you but I'm doing the best I can because I care for you. So with that, what we have is we have, again, Timothy. Two men, Timothy, Paphroditus. Now, in that fact that Timothy, Timothy was basically a partner of Paul. Travel with him. By the way, we have two books written to him, 1 and 2 Timothy. We see Timothy going through him, going through the whole process. Definitely an important part. But we have this another person that comes on. And here's what we have. In verse 25, it says this. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and your minister to my need. Okay. So we got one my and two yours. 
First of all, let's go to yours at the very end. He is your messenger and your minister to my need. Epaphroditus would have been, would I like to say, one of theirs. Does that make sense? Homegrown from the church in Philippi. Somehow he came to Christ, got passionate in that. They hear about Paul. They say, Epaphroditus, would you be willing to go? Epaphroditus says, yes, I will. He's one of theirs. And becomes their messenger and becomes their minister. To minister to someone. To take care of their needs. So you need to know that in this whole context, when Paul said back in 1.5, you're a partaker, right? And you're a partner. It all comes from this. But Paul, after having Epaphroditus with him, turns it into a my. He is, by the way, my brother, my fellow worker, and my fellow soldier. Epaphroditus came as a minister, turned into someone powerful, and that he was a brother to Christ, a fellow worker, but then a soldier. He started fighting for the cause. Now, what's the cause? Paul is under house arrest. In being under house arrest, he is there with, with, with these people. People are coming to Paul. We know that he has been converting guards. We've already talked about that. And so in that, there is this whole thing. But there's also all this turmoil around Paul. And Epaphroditus steps into that situation. But you need to know that he is one of the people of Philippi. And by the way, I want you to go back in time. Go back in time with me. They hear of Paul. They hear what's going on. And all of a sudden they start talking. Listen to me. How can we help? What can we do? We're all the way over here in Macedonia. We're all the way over here in the city of Philippi. What can we do? Now, I said to you, and I'll say it again. Rumor is a powerful thing. Agreed? When Paul goes into chains, honestly, we find out through Scripture, a lot of people fractured. Some people took the, well, if he's in chains, he must have done something wrong path, right? There's no reason you'd be in chains unless you did something wrong. They didn't check that out. They didn't find out what was really going on. They just made assumptions, and rumors began. There are those who've been long associated with Paul who pull away because of the fact that he's in chains. And there are some churches, by the way, that probably just kind of just act like, let's just not act like Paul's there anymore. Let's just forget him. We got our own problems. We got our own issues. Now, here's the thing. Paul being under house arrest, he's got to pay for that place. He's got to pay for his food. He's got to take care of himself. How does he do that? Can't work. We know in every other community, he'd be a tent maker, right? He would have made his own way. We see that over and over again. He would have made his own way. He can't do that now. How does he do that? It's going to be under the blessings of other churches. So let's watch this. He said, you came and ministered, by the way, your minister to my need. 
So I'm going to have us look forward into Philippians 4.18. I, this is going to the end of the book, I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Epaphroditus did not come empty-handed. The church in Philippi got together, above and beyond what it took for them to give their tithes and offering to the Lord. They took up tithe, they took off a free will offering, and they gave it to Epaphroditus to give to Paul to take care of him while he is in chains. That's what Philippi does. Philippi, forgive the phrase, is putting their, mouth, their money where their mouth is. Paul started that church, helped them get established, remember, in chains, in, a, in, in, a, in, in the jail in Philippi, converts the Philippian jailer, from that establishes the church. This church hears what's happening to Paul and says, he needs help. And they just didn't send someone who was a courier. That's different. A courier could have delivered the money. Does that make sense? They sent one of their own. Probably, listen, one of their best. And they said, we want you to take this money and we want you to minister to Paul. We want you to take care of his needs. We want you to encourage him. We want you to bring him all of our thoughts, all of our prayers. We want him to feel like, listen, that Philippi is standing with him. So, I want to say to you, uh, we are a CMA church, Christ and Missionary Alliance. In two weeks, the staff is going to be going up to Chico to have our district meeting that happens every year. Uh, We'll get together and uh, talk about the things happening in the district. But the thing that I want you to understand is we are Christian and Missionary Alliance. This whole denomination that this church is a part of is based on missionary work. By the way, as um, I've talked to uh, people in missionary works, probably one of the greatest denominations that takes care of their missionaries far, far more than anyone else. They do an incredible, incredible job. You need to know that 10% of, before anything else is done, of your giving goes to missions, and 5% of that goes to CMA because of the missionary work they're doing around the world. Okay? You need to know that. But in the process, what's happening is, is that in that, yes, it's easy in some ways to go, hey, here's a check and that's what goes on. It's a bigger deal to all of a sudden have your people be involved. One of the things we're really excited about, some of you guys know the Todds. Todds are a part of the history of what was CBNC. The Todds are going to be here in May because they're going to be the ones speaking to us on our Missionary Sunday. And we'll be, by the way, be talking about what it looks like to support them going forward. Not, again, along with Heather and Eugenia, how do we bring them back on and how do we support them? Because, they, again, they spent 10 years here, right? They were part of this fellowship. And, by the way, were sent off to Russia as one of ours. See, the thing that we need to understand is, is that when you talk about, when we have someone comes up here and says, hey, um, I'm going to be going to and name the country. I'll be going to Africa. I'll be going uh, to Mexico. I'll be doing different things. They're one of ours. How do we send them? Because our hope is, and by the way, just as, it's not necessarily the person, it's the support team that comes around them. Because let me tell you something. 
It's hard if you just go alone, but if you know there are people that are writing you encouraging letters, if you know there are people that are, that are walking with you, that are helping with those things, it makes it so much easier. It is a truth in Scripture. It is absolutely a truth in Scripture. And so how do we as a church not only say to our people, our young people, or people who want to do missions work, we want you to go, but we want you to know that you're supported so that you can be our minister in those areas. You come as an ambassador of Cedars. Yes, you'll be the one having to get into the mud and the muck and the mire, but we're praying for you through that process. We're praying for you through that process. And so in that, what you have is you have a, a desire. Now, I want to tell you something. Let's change the story um, just, a, just a little bit. See, the thing is, is that Paul had a need. And the Philippian church saw that need. In 2018, actually started in 2017, Heather Shulgin uh, was here on break and went to our eldership and asked the elders if they would be willing to send myself and Jody to Russia. And the elders listened to her, and they said yes. And so, with much trepidation, because Jody hates to fly, uh, we put all things together and got everything set, and we went. You need to understand something. Um, we didn't go to Russia because we were going to go help out in an orphanage. We didn't go there because I was going to do some preaching. I got to do a little bit of encouragement of their, of their um, staff. Our number one goal that Heather asked for, would you come, me specifically, Jeff, would you come and encourage my husband? He needs help. He needs someone who is not in that scenario to hear him walk with him. Um, and so on many a night... Uh, in cold weather, Shania and I would go for walks in Russia in the middle of the winter. I don't know why we thought that was a good idea, but we did. And we just go to a place and we'd sit down and I got to hear him and hear his brokenness and the things that he's going through and the things that he's worried about. And I don't know if I had anything profound to say. That's up to him to say. I just know I was there to hear. Does that make sense? I was there just to just hear him and love him. And then Jody and I together were there just to love on them as a couple. And then they loved on us. And then they, they wanted us to see. This is the thing that was important to them. They go, we want you to understand our country, but our city and our place of, our place of work. And so they introduced us to friends. And they introduced us to the place that they hang out. They introduced us to their church. And they introduced us to the people that would come into their home. And they go, we want, when you go back, we want you to think of these people. We want you to think of what's happening here. We want you to understand how we're trying to make inroads into these places. We're trying to have you understand how we're, how we're trying to make, make literally paths into this place. Yes. The church had been helpful in getting them a house. The church had been helpful in getting them a car. The church had been helpful in doing all these things. And they said, we want you to understand how these tools are being used for the kingdom. So we did. And I believe from their trip last time that it was. It was, it was, it was impactful. It was important. There's a, if you haven't met the Good family, they, one of the ladies that, that puts up uh, food here, um, Kathleen Good and her mom, uh, they, they do great work here. Her son, Matthew, was the one, Matthew Good, if you haven't met Matthew, he was great. He just got married, moved to Chicago. Matthew was great for me. 
I first met Matthew, who's like, yeah, I'm a missionary in South Africa. Now, as soon as you hear that, your brain goes where? Oh, South Africa. He's doing some, all these things. So I go, oh, Matthew, what do you do? I am the business guy that makes sure that all of our missionaries get all the monies that get sent. So I'm the one literally just getting all the, the paperwork done. That's it? I didn't say that out loud. Because our mind says if you're on the mission field, right, that's what you do. But this is what I know. If Matthew doesn't do his job and bug missionaries, who, by the way, are horrible at turning in their paperwork, they don't get paid. And they don't do work. And people don't get the gospel. Do you understand what I'm saying? And there's all these levels of what it means to go do missionary work that is not being with Mother Teresa in Calcutta. It is about making sure that people get all the paperwork that they need to get done, to get the visas, to get to where they need to go to. And Matthew just really challenged me of what it looks like to say, yes, I'm in South Africa, and yeah, I'm, I live in a house that looks pretty much like everybody else's houses, and I go to this great church, and I do these things, and so people don't think I'm a missionary. But I also know that if Matthew didn't do what he did, those other missionaries wouldn't do what they do. Folks, we got to open up our hearts to the different ways in which we can minister and be out there and doing incredible work for the kingdom. Okay, so let's do this. In Philippians 2, 19 through 30, verse 26. For he has been longing for all of you and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Epaphroditus got sick. Okay? Indeed, he was ill. Ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on on me, lest I should have had sorrow upon sorrow. So Epaphroditus gets there. He wants to minister to Paul, but he gets sick. So sick he almost dies. Now, word of that gets back to Philippi. One of their own got sick, almost died. They're losing their minds. By the way, remember, no fax machine. Well, those are dead, sorry. No email. Right? No postal service. So it takes, again, something happens. It's months before people find out things. Does that make sense? So they're worried about him. They're freaking out about him. All right, here we go. I am more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again and that, my, and that I may be less anxiety. He's worried about the church in Philippi. They're worried about Epaphroditus. Paul's worried about them. Do you understand the whole thing, how it's happening? So Paul goes, here's the deal. I need this letter to get to you. Timothy can't come yet. I'm not released yet. Epaphroditus is going to take this, this letter back. The one he's writing right now, he already knows who's going to take it back to him. By the way, yes, he almost died. Yes, God gave mercy to save him. But Epaphroditus is worried about those back home. They're all worried about me. And Paul goes, look, I'm going to send him home. But he has been, don't forget, my brother, right? Fellow worker, soldier. Epaphroditus did his job. Verse 29. So rejoice in him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. He's going to come back to you. Honor him. 
for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking, listen to this, in your service to me. That wasn't a knock against the church in Philippi. Matter of fact, it's an actual praise of them. They served him, but not all of them in a big caravan could come to where he is. He would love to have been with all of them, but he got Epaphroditus. And he goes, listen to me, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So, a couple things. I want to agree with some things that you need to understand. You do not need to go around the world to have a missionary work. We just heard about it. You can minister to kids today in our community. That's missionary work. Yes, you can go around the world. You can go to Russia. You can go to Cuba. You can go to Mexico like we're going to go to in June. And you can do those things. And all of those things are powerful. But I will tell you, it's not just the ones who go. It's the support team that comes behind them. It's those who raise the funds. It's those who write a check and say, yeah, I'll pay for part of you to go. Folks, the church functions when we see a bigger picture beyond our cities, beyond our walls, beyond our our own homes. And says, how do we get out there? How do we do these things? How do we make sure that those who are going feel supported, that they're not alone? How do we make sure that those that are being encouraged are encouraged, by the way, in different ways? Not all of them need someone to come in and and do a vacation Bible school. Sometimes they just need you to sit down, have coffee with them, and let them know it's okay. Because folks, missionary work is tough. So sometimes all we're doing is we're going and we're encouraging them. And saying, we got your back. And it's good to see familiar faces. And it's good to hear the language. Heather goes, it's just so fun to talk English, right? How do we as a church have a heart that if we're a Christian and missionary alliance, that's a part of who we are. Whether that's local, whether it's in our community, beyond our walls, beyond borders, beyond seas. How do we do that? It starts here. As soon as they heard that Paul was in chains and that he was going to Rome, they didn't say, oh, under what happened to Paul, what he did. They said this, we know Paul. We know Paul. And God's doing something. Listen to me. And we want to be a part of it. And we want to be a part of it. Church, we need to be a part of it. Whatever God's doing, we need to be a part of it. So as this month goes along, you're going to be hearing other opportunities. And as we get to May, we'll have a whole Sunday. We talk about this and we'll, we'll, we'll get all ramped up into this. But the idea is, again, it's still the same thing. It's reaching your inner circle. How do we support people? How do we send people out? And how do we love them? Two men, one who had proven that when he goes there, he's going to have a heart to deal with the issue that needs to be dealt with. And number two, one who came, and as he came, became exactly what he needed to be, but he needs to go back so he's be a support to the ones who sent them to. That's our message today. It's pretty simple. But in the middle of it is a message to all of us. That could be us. Maybe not the one on the front line, maybe not the one right behind him, but maybe part of that group that makes sure they have the resources to do what they need to do. And I just want you to hear that's the heart of what we're trying to do when it comes to us being a church that sends out missionaries. 
what we're doing locally, reaching our inner circle, that's for you. But how do we have our eyes opened up to something bigger? And how do we make sure that we're a part of that? And with that, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, may we hear from these two men, these two men who, Father, gave of themselves one who was standing with Paul and, and is ready at any time to go to Philippi and encourage them, and one who came from Philippi and, Father, is ready, ready, ready to go home to encourage his people. He delivered the resources Paul is taken care of. He is so blessed. He is well taken care of because of this church. For, Father, you use this church to supply his need. All these different elements— all these different elements. May we see how we as a church can do different things in different ways with different, different um, opportunities to bless. Whether, again, whether it's in our backyard or across the sea. God, I just thank you that, again, Paul is not writing just to a church. He's writing into partakers and fellow participants in what he's doing. How beautiful those words are. And I give those words to you, and may they be said of us. In Jesus' name, amen.